Radio.com. Good afternoon and welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're broadcasting today from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you by the Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. Weather, wheat trade, corn and beans, it's all being factored into today's trade. Then if you even flip the side to the livestock, we saw the cattle taking advantage, I think, of the lower numbers we saw in the grain complex today as hogs are just kind of sputtering along with the holidays quickly approaching. Having said that, how much of an influence is this holiday trade going to be? We're going to take a look at all of that today as Darren Fessler joins us. He is with Lakefront Futures. And uh, Darren, I want to start off, first of all, do you think corn and beans, are they just ready for 2021 to be over with? I, th- I think so. You're, you're, you're approaching a year-end. Fund managers in, in general have had a very good year. Um, you know, and so you always have to think about year-end positioning, year-end bonuses. Um, you know, so so to take off a little bit off the chips off the table uh, with the recent run we've had, uh, you know, not too surprising. But you know, this market has propped it higher. You know, late last week didn't obviously follow through here on Monday or even the Sunday night trade. Um, but you know, a lot of the concerns that will linger in to the end of the year and the beginning of '22. Is is how does South America shape up? I mean, that's that's where the attention should be. Um, you know, we're still seeing some pretty decent spread action in the corn. So how does that pan out? Because obviously, you look at the basis levels; it is still giving guys an opportunity here. But yeah, I think corn means I think we're cruising into the year end here. Um, you know, and and likewise, you know, cattle. Uh, you know, yes, it made a little bit of bounce off the lows here. But as we move into the year in here, it, it, the volumes are going to start declining here. So looking at that, what is it going to take in this market? I mean, there's only a few weeks left in 2021. Do you see any potential for a turnaround and an uptick in these grain numbers? Well, you know, I, I think it all comes down, again, to, to how does South America in particular, how does southern Brazil turn out? Um, Rio Grande do Sul, Panara. Um, you know, Rio Grande is not a huge uh, corn grower by any means, but Panara is a, a huge bean grower, second largest in Brazil. Um, but, you know, we, I think that the headlines right now um, maybe not be telling the whole story. Um, and really what the story is in Brazil in particular is 90% of this crop is very, very good. And I use the word ideal very lightly, but Mato Grosso, the big kahuna of bean production in Brazil right now is, is very, very, very good. Um, so how does, how do they pan out here? Cause Brazil will have some crops, um, to be on the market here in, you know, a couple of weeks. Um, given the early planting, they will have an early harvest, which will allow them to put the second crops of Frina corn in the ground earlier too, hopefully to beat some of their weather issues they typically have with that Frina crop. But as of right now, these are still levels. Given the strong basis, producers, um, if they are still, you know, not to that 60, 70 percent sold on old crop, uh, I, I think they should be scaling into these levels, taking advantage of the strong basis levels. Because to me, if Brazil, I know there's a lot of ifs and scenarios, but if Brazil should have a decent crop, which I still think is between 141 to 140 million metric tons. I think that beans could drag on corn a little bit. I think the corn fundamentals right now are much, much stronger than beans. 
Uh, I think the saving grace for the bean market may be some lingering dryness issues that spread onto Argentina, where it affects a lot of their meal ex, uh, exports and bean production down there. Obviously, Argentina is one of the largest meal producer or meal exporters in the world. So that in itself is a longer-term story. The story right now about the beans is going to be Brazil and how does it impact corn. Now, the corn trade is going to be interesting. How does wheat fall? Because wheat, especially Paris wheat, um, has been a real big driver for our domestic prices and and how it related to the corn run-up here. So, um, to me, the, the wheat market is much more fairly priced today than it was, say, two or three weeks ago versus the world market. But that trade has influenced corn. Um, so do we see a setback in wheat? Because it does look like from a technical pattern, we do have a, a head and shoulders, which is typically associated with bearish moves. Now, we've seen a backdrop off of that Paris wheat market, and so as corn, come, as corn has made new highs, it has kind of lagged what wheat has done here, backed off. So it, I am expecting corn to pull back a little bit more here, given that the wheat market has already made that first move. So looking at demand, um, obviously, you know, we were just talking about this whole holiday setting that's going to take place. Can ethanol continue to see a push, or are we going to see it just kind of continue along at least till we get to post-Christmas Day ho- uh, holiday driving? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I don't think the ethanol grind is going to slow down um, at least uh, over the next couple of months. I think it's going to be continue to be very strong. Uh, as, as long as we don't see a collapse in, in you know, the equity markets, um, energy, um, yes, we're off the highs. Um, we're still hanging in there above 70 bucks on the, the Feb crude. Um, I think one thing to watch for is the ethanol swaps, um, which have been a very good leading indicator of what corn has done, um, a much better indicator than, say, the outright ethanol futures. But I, I do think that uh, with the driving season, with holiday season, um, producers, uh, ethanol producers are still making very good money here. So I don't necessarily see that there's a big drop-off in ethanol production um, or ethanol demand. Um, and as long as they can still make good margins, to me, it doesn't really matter to them how much they're paying above the board or under the board. As long as they're locking in good margins, there's still going to be some pretty good demand there. All right, well, stick around, folks. We do have a lot more coming up as we continue with the second half of the Monday version of the Fontenelle Final Bell. We'll be looking at what's been happening in the weather-wise and how much of a weather factor is this going to continue to play with this wheat market, not only here in the States, but let's look globally. More is coming up. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. For over 85 years, Fontenelle Hybrids has brought consistency to Nebraska farmers. Fontenelle dealer Dusty Mim near Sutton talks about the consistency he's seen on his own farm. We run a lot of checks with competitive products to make sure that that we're offering our customers the best product that we possibly can. And time and time again, Fontenelle has has come to the plate and hit base hit after base hit. For more, just contact your local Fontenelle Hybrids dealer or look us up on the web, Fontenelle.com. Always follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide labels. Time to learn more. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're continuing our conversation this afternoon with Darren Fessler. Of course, he is with Lakefront Futures. We're taking a look at we're talking, you know, weather when we left for break. And I know that there has been some weather concerns in in the southwest, uh, in some panhandle areas, even up in as far north as, as Kansas. Looking at that, 
should that or will that continue to be a wheat factor for this winter wheat when we throw in days of 50 plus degrees or 70 degrees for this winter wheat crop? You know, I was just joking with some of my Arkansas clients about that exact same thing here today. When we look at the forecast for Wednesday, although granted it's going to be blowing a lot, um, you know, it's very, very unseasonal to have 70 upper 60 degree type temperatures uh, in December in this type in in this region of the country. And so, uh, it, it, does it make me nervous about the winter wheat? Absolutely, it does. Um, because we actually need that wheat. I mean, if you look at the stocks use ratio, not only domestically, but worldwide, the world's not necessarily running out of wheat. But if we can have a decent crop again and, and get those stocks use ratios back to maybe where they were a few years ago, granted, that's probably not great for prices, but it would definitely alleviate some of the pressure uh, on some of these prices. But with that being said, I, if, if it's going to be warm, I would much rather see a, a nice snow cover because the cold temperatures will come. Um, we haven't had a whole heck of a lot of rain this year. And I know I've been joking with some, you know, boy, we, we, you know, last time we had these type of temperatures and this lack of rain was you know, December of 11. Now, I, I do not want to call for a drought or anything in, in, in next summer. I don't know what's going to happen there. But it is you just got to take notes here. Um, and it will get cold here, and I really like to get some snow cover on that winter wheat, especially in Kansas, because in one of these days it's going to be down to 10 degrees, and, and I'm just wondering how bad is that going to get damaged. Now, granted, wheat is a, is a, is a crop that has nine lives, so, uh, but with that being said is I think we have to still look at the fundamental picture of wheat and how competitive we are versus, say, the Black Sea region or any other of the major exporters of the world. And right now, like I said, we were, you know, not competitive two, two or three weeks ago. We are much more competitive now. So um, weather, especially in the Midwest, is key, uh, especially for the wheat market, because I do think we're going to see at least another two to three million more acres here, um, not only the winter wheat, but you're looking at spring wheat and Chicago as well. Holiday demand for, for grains and export numbers. Are we going to see it pretty quiet this next couple of weeks? Uh, I'm anticipating it to, to be pretty quiet. Um, I'm still very concerned uh, about the, the export picture for beans. Now, you, you look at the total commitments. That's like the actual commitments or that's the exports plus outstanding sales. Um, we are down about 27% versus last year. Now, granted, last year was a very strong year, but you look at the, the longer-term picture here, and given that we haven't really exported a whole lot, we've made some good sales for sure, but our exports, our physical exports, are lagging where I think they need to be given the time frame of the year where Brazil has a crop coming on sooner than they normally would, does that put pressure on our exports if China decides to cancel? And, and, and that's the huge question mark. And, and given the situation that's currently developing in Brazil, may or may not turn out to be a big situation for us, the dryness. But I think that in itself is what's keeping beans elevated here. Because fundamentally, 
it, you know, to have a 340 million carryout that I think is going to go higher in subsequent little reports. You know, maybe by February we're looking at 400 million. Maybe by May of next year, maybe 450. So, it, you know, to me, the export picture for beans is it's not all that great. So, it, you have these good prices here. You might as well be looking at adding some protection here, and that the, the fundamental picture for beans again could drag on corn, even though corn has a much better picture uh, longer term here. So, I, I think as you go into the year end here, you're going to see exports just kind of just drift and cruise into the new year. And then we start the new year in 22, we're going to see much more uh, data out of Brazil, out of South America in general about how that crop is looking. And then we're going to get a really good gauge about how our U.S. exports are going to go from there. All right, jump over to the livestock side quickly. Cattle market, is this cash going to struggle this week into next? I mean, I I think it certainly can. Yeah, I mean, I'm not all that bearish cattle here, but I do think that you you get to some of these levels, whether you're talking fats or whether you're talking futures, they probably should be rewarded with some protection here. We we really haven't had any sort of protection on here for a while. We've been working these nice upward channels here basically for the last six seven months, and so I want to be looking at getting some protection in place here. But watch the cash. If cash is weak, I think the futures go with it. All right. Best way for folks to get a hold of you. They can reach me directly at uh, 312-858-3668. And they can always find me on Twitter. The handle there is DDFAlpha. All right. Thanks so much. As we continue, just always a reminder that commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss, so they're not suitable for all investors. Darren Fessler has been joining us today for the Fontenelle Final Bell as we broadcast live from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. That's the Fontenelle Final Bell brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.